The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, so so ladies and gentlemen, we're back again on the farm uh, with Adam and Andy. Andy Patton's back, third week in a row. We're doing it. We're on a streak. This is the Cal Ripken streak of on the farm. Uh, Andy, we have so much to talk about because God forbid we go an entire week without anything boring uh, taking <laughs> place. Like the 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 week's been crazy. So so basically, the Cardinals are never going to play again. Um, and the, and the Astros cannot walk away from a fight. <laughs> that's yeah, that's pretty much what it, what it looks like so far. I'm, uh, as somebody who wants Dylan Carlson to play baseball this year, very badly. I am concerned that if the Cardinals don't play baseball, how in the heck is Dylan Carlson going to play baseball? It's a, it's, it's a problem, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I so I, I just really quick bridging off of that before we jump into all of the names that we have listed here. Mm-hmm. I'm a Jack Flaherty owner. I, mm-hmm. I went out and I I paid for Jack Flaherty this off season in a dynasty. What 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 am I doing? Like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it feels to me like you got a hold. I mean, for a guy of his caliber, like I'm dropping fringier st louis guys all over the place i own uh kwang young him kim a few places and i'm out on him uh, I, I picked him up to be a closer and obviously that's not happening anyway even if they do play baseball again but for someone like a guy like flaherty i think you kind of just gotta wait and hope that they'll they'll get back to, to playing baseball soon it's not like you're gonna be able i mean if you can get top dollar for him i guess and you're competing this year it's maybe worth a move, but otherwise I think you just kind of hold and uh, assume that by this time next season, they'll play a full 162 and you'll be happy to have him. Yeah. It just bums me out because I, I am what the team that I, I went out and paid him for. I'm in my window, right? Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to compete. Um, and he is just really hamstringing me and I don't yeah. know what to do. I don't So I'm sitting there and I'm just generally mad because he can't put him on the COVID list, right? Cause he's not technically doesn't have COVID and, and you can't play him because he's not playing. So I just, he just burns up a roster spot for me. It's, it's the worst. Yeah, it's rough. 
All right, great. Well, thank you for for making me feel better. I guess I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> I don't so think that I did. <laughs> we had a list of names here uh, that that debuted this week. Um, one of the benefits of having a shortened season is that it feels like every week we have a slew of new prospects coming up uh, that are that are interesting and relevant to Dynasty. Um, first up, you had uh, Joe Adele, my guy. You know, it's funny. The week prior. Uh, to to this, our, our last episode, you said there's no chance he's coming up, and I said I agree. Uh, and yet here we are. So yeah. yeah, I wrote I wrote my weekly stash article. I had him second or third among hitters, and I bumped him down to a I think sixth right before he got called up because I thought that Mike Trout went on the paternity list. The service time date had passed. It seemed like an obvious choice to call him up, and they didn't do it. So I didn't think that it was going to happen just a few days later, but. Here we are. It did that. Not only did they call him up, Madden said he's the right fielder. They're going to have Justin Upton and Brian Goodwin uh, platoon in left when obviously Trout's back now. So that's that's what they've been doing. Uh, Adele did miss a few games with the hamstring, but it wasn't super serious. He's back now. He hasn't looked great. He's looked okay. Uh, he, I he was somebody who I was worried about. Even he came up sooner than I expected. So if you read my other articles and didn't pick him up because of that, I apologize. But I had always expressed concern that even when he does come up, I don't know that he's going to light the league on fire right away. Sometimes guys who do that are, are unexpected. I wouldn't have thought Kyle Lewis would do that either, and he did. But Adele's a guy who kind of struggled at his first stop at pretty much every step of the way. He struggled a lot in AAA last year. He struggled when he first got to AA. So I'm not super surprised to see him not lighting the world on fire. It's been less than a week. There's plenty of time for, for things to come around. And I think that he will be uh, a mixed league asset at some point, but in a really short season, like if he's, if he's really good for two weeks out of this year, is that worth holding on to him for the next, you know, seven, six weeks? That's all that's left of the season. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, I picked him up in two 12 teamers. I'm still rostering him in both of them, but he's been pretty buried on my bench. I haven't really gotten him into the lineup. I probably will when obviously more COVID related games are canceled and I need to get him in, but I think he's worth holding on to, but I'm not going to be surprised if he never really, if his, if his first stint kind of looks like what Mike Trout's first stint looked like where he wasn't great. And then he exploded the next year. I'm not, saying Adele's going to be as good as Trout necessarily, but I don't think that we're going to see a guy light the league on fire too much this year. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the knocks on Adele was that he was swinging at a lot and missing a lot, uh, especially in AAA. Um, granted, it's only been three games, right? It's only been 11 plate appearances, right. but uh, thus far his chase rate hasn't been uh, abysmal. It's been pretty uh, actually about league average. Uh, mm-hmm. the, one, the one thing that I'm kind of – on right now is the fact that he's batting in the lower third of the batting order. Uh, So that limits his opportunities, even when he is playing Uh, still, still a, a top five dynasty prospect, still a guy that I'm very high on in the long term. but yeah, for 2020 um, you might run into a few home runs. You might get a few stolen bases, but nothing really uh, that's going to jump out at you. Uh, he's not a must-add in 12-team redrafts at this point. But dynasty purposes, he did, he's there's no reason, and and you'll hear this throughout, right? There's no reason to to react or overreact in any way to a a 60-game season uh, with these guys. So, um, all right. So so next up, we had a debut debut. God, I did it again. Debut <laughs> a debut today uh, in Spencer Howard. Uh, probably the maybe the top 
mm, top prospect for the Phillies, maybe the top three prospect of the Phillies. I don't know. It depends on how you feel about Alec Baum. But um, really, uh, he's he was uh, one of the better uh, pitching prospects that everybody was waiting on this year. Uh, debut was not so great. Thoughts? He was, man, he was just middle-middle with everything. Like, it's funny, his, his control, a lot of times when you see guys debut, you see uh, additional velocity because they're super ramped up. Uh, you see wildness because they're super ramped up for kind of the same reasons. Howard, we didn't really see either of those things. Uh, he was 95, I think, is where he topped. Sat, it came down to like 90, 91 by the end of the start, which didn't even last that long. I'm not – that was a little surprising because he'd been 97, 98 at points in uh, the summer camp and last season. I don't think it's really that alarming necessarily. His command – excuse me, his control was really good. He threw a lot of strikes. His command was very bad. He threw a lot of pitches right over the middle of the plate. Uh, He left fastballs middle-middle. He left change-ups middle-high. He left some breaking balls in the middle of the plate. Uh, It took a while for the the, uh, Braves to really get into a couple of them, but Freddie Freeman took him deep. Uh, I believe Acuna took him deep as well. Uh, Acuna actually took him deep on a a pretty good pitch, but he'd also uh, gotten away with a lot of pitches up to that point, so it kind of evened out. Again, as you already said, Adam, we're not going to tell anybody to overreact to a not-so-great first start. There were some some things that I really liked. Uh, his changeup when he located it down was really nice. It's 12 to 14 miles an hour different from his fastball. It, it looked really good. His fastball at times when he located it up looked really good. His knuckle curveball is really nice. It's got a ton of depth to it. Uh, it's it's a really sharp pitch, and his slider at times looked good. So I think that there's four pitches that can be plus. I would be surprised if at any point this season we see a game where all four of them flash plus at the same time. That's just difficult for any pitcher to do. Uh, And a rookie pitcher who hasn't pitched above double A, it's going to be hard. But I'm not – I think there was enough that I saw in this start that makes me really encouraged about him long term. But similar to Adele, I'm not sure that I'm chasing this too much in 12-teamers yet. Maybe it's more matchup dependent. I'd like to see another start where we see him kind of hone in a little bit. When he's dotting corners and when he's locating where he wants to locate, I think he's going to be really, really good. Like easily top 25 fantasy pitcher upside when he's doing that. But he's going to be able to need to do that consistently. And this start did not make it look like that's – he's ready to do that, I guess. We'll put it that way. He might get there, but I'm not sure he's going to get there in 2020. Yeah, uh, two things that I want to uh, build upon what you, what you were just talking about now. One, agreed. That velo band between his his fastball and his breaking stuff is the real deal. That's really what I look for when I'm talking about or looking, seeking out uh, pitching prospects is that, that differential between two pitches. And that fastball plays, right? Like even if he took a couple t- couple ticks off, which he did, he, I think he got gassed at the end of his, his yep. debut – um, that's why he dropped down so much. I, I wouldn't suspect any sort of injury or anything like that. He just got gassed. But there was that curveball. That curveball bites. Oh, my God. There were a couple pitchers where I was like, I stood up. I was like, oh, look at that. Uh, he was just like, he really had it going. Uh, for it, it, But it, it came and went. He was not sharp. And I think it's just a product of, hey, I got my first big league start under me. Like, it's just something to build off of. And here I go. So, so yeah, I mean, like, so, so moving off of that, right, we've had uh, – two really kind of like big starter debuts, right? Mm -hmm. We've had Nate Pearson. We've had Spencer Howard. If you had to pick today, right, you're drafting in a brand new dynasty format um, and you're going to take a a pitcher. Is it going to be Pearson or is it going to be Howard? 
Dynasty, I'm still going to take Pearson. Um, it's pretty close, I think. Uh, Pearson's got more velocity. He seems to carry that velocity later into starts, which is always nice. Uh, I think Howard might have a bit of a more balanced arsenal, but Pearson's top-end stuff is better. Uh, I don't think there's much debate there. I think they're both going to be starters long-term, though. I think there was some concern for both of them at various points in their minor league career that they might be relievers. I don't see that as an issue for both of them. I think they're long-term starters. I think they're both fantasy relevant starters for a long time, assuming they stay healthy. Uh, But I think I would give the nod to Pearson. I don't think it's that far apart though. I think that they're both fairly close. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, All right. So we got a few other names here. Let's, let's jump down to uh, the next bat. Monte Harrison, uh, my guy, uh, he is he is the prototypical guy that I just I just bite on and love uh, until he f- inevitably falters. Um, <laughs> he what I think he only has a couple couple at bats so far. Yeah. Um, so I you know the Marlins are just getting back on their feet. Um, so so what are you taking away at this point in time? Are you just kind of holding out right now and you're just happy that he's here or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been a sucker for so many of these guys too. The the Lewis Brinsons, the Keon Broxtons, the Byron Buxton to an extent. You know, guys who are are just oozing tools but have huge strikeout issues. Uh, it's sometimes they do figure it out. <laughs> I named a lot of examples of guys who have had that be a big inhibiting factor for them. Harrison's strikeout numbers are concerning. I believe uh, the latest update I saw, he was one for 10. I know his first game, he went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Those are games you're going to see from him. He's going to do that, but he's got the speed. He's got the power. I, I mean, the, the swing is, you can see why he swings and misses a lot. He's got a big, big, huge swing, but he, when he gets wood on it, I mean, he crushes the ball. I'm not a huge fan of him in 12-teamers. I'm not a huge fan of him outside of pretty deep leagues. Uh, obviously, if you have him in a dynasty league, you're like you said, you're just happy he's in the big leagues at this point. I'm not worried about how he does right now. Uh, the Mar- it's been such a weird season for the Marlins anyway that it's kind of hard to – I think it's hard to put stock in a whole, basically every major leaguer in a 60-game season. But for teams that have just kind of been through the ringer like this, I'm not really uh, overly concerned about their performance. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Harrison's in the big leagues. I'm excited to see what he does. I'm unlikely to change my value on him unless he does something really, really good or really, really bad. Yeah, agreed. I think, you know, he's going to be one of those guys where you're going to see uh, his zone swing rate, his zone swing percentage be slightly below league average. I think his pitch recognition is is off. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you're going to see his zone contact rate be really high. So he's going to be one of those dudes where it's going to be like way above league average just because his bat speed is incredible. So he's always going to be mashing when he's on one. And and those are like those streaky players. So you can say, yeah, he's going to be 20-20. You could see 20-20 in his bat and in his speed easy. No problem. The problem is going to be that he's going to hit 260 or 255 or maybe 250 or 240 or something like that. Uh, And then you're going to have to just kind of like just just choke that down as you right. get those other counting stats along the way but yeah he's a dude that that you just you get all excited you, the the tools are tantalizing and you just want to run with it but man it's going to be uh tough sledding there for a little bit if he ever gets into a slump which inevitably he will he is a I, I, if I recall correctly his AAA last year um he he struggled for a bit he had some injury issues, and then he kind of cleaned up his game, and he cut that uh, that K percentage. So he is a guy that that has shown that he can adjust over time. It's just going to be something that we're going to have 
to keep an eye on as we move as we move ahead. But uh, yeah, Monty Harrison is always going to be a guy that um, as long as he has playing time, I think he's better than Lewis Brinson. But I'm just not sure he's uh, and he's definitely better than Keon Broxton. But I just I, I just I I don't know. He's going to be one of those dudes that's going to have those peaks and valleys, and there's never going to be that easy easy going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, so Luis Patino uh, came out. He's he's here. He's uh, available in the bullpen. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I understand the strategy for teams. I, I mean, your White Sox have done this a lot with their pitching prospects, where they bring them up as relievers and then transition them into starters. Uh, it's a little bit of a. Um, Uh, kind of pouring cold water on a prospect, I guess, when they come up as a bullpen guy because you want to pick him up right away and you've been excited to see him. Uh, Patino has not looked exceptionally great. He's thrown 4.2 innings. So it's, I mean, that's a ridiculously small sample size. Uh, 1.2 of them were today. I think he gave up three runs. So he just, you know, he hasn't looked great yet, but it's fine. He hasn't gotten much opportunity to throw. Uh, The Padres did send down Joey Lugazi to their alternate site. Uh, I as far as I know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't named an official starter to replace him there. Most people think it'll be Cal Quantrill, who's already kind of been piggybacking Lugazi up to this point. It could be Patino, though. They could call him up to do it. I don't know that he's stretched out enough to do it necessarily, not after throwing less than two innings today. Uh, some people think it could be Mackenzie Gore. I would be pretty surprised to see the Padres do that. Uh, they are playing really well right now. I could see Gore up eventually this year. In fact, I'd be fairly surprised if we don't see Gore this year, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So staying on Patino, I'm not super excited about him for this year at all. And as has been the theme so far, I'm not really changing my value on him in Dynasty. Uh, even if he pitches poorly in a relief role this year, I won't be happy about it if I own him, but I'm not going to be looking to sell yet because you're just going to be selling for pennies on the dollar for no real reason like let's let him get a shot in the starting rotation and see how he does there uh, and then we can kind of make more evaluations on him but glad he's up glad he's pitching hope to see him pitch better but not really changing how i feel about him right now yeah it'd be interesting to see them start using him as an opener you know mm-hmm. just to do that they can pitch for two innings and, and let him go and then yeah. if he for some reason is just killing it like let him keep going and stretch him out that way but I don't know if they will. Um, you had said that the the Padres are doing really well right now. Feels like a bit of an understatement, like just just a small one. Because yeah, I think that they hit like eight home runs today or something ridiculous, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, man, it is just fun to watch them right now. God, what a fun team! I saw a stat of Fernando Tatis through his first ninety nine major league games has twenty nine home runs. Uh, that was before today. So if I'm not mistaken, he hit at least one today, mm-hmm. I think. And so he's got 30 home runs to his first 100 games. Uh, there's not a lot of people who've done that. I, I don't have a list in front of me, but I can tell you right now that it's small. <laughs> I know that yeah. for a fact. Uh, he's been absolutely incredible. I don't think we need to advise you anything on fantasy in a redraft or dynasty. Don't get rid of Fernando Tatis in any leagues ever. Hold on to him because you're going to be really happy you have him. He's been fantastic, and it's been fun to see him in the Padres uh, have some success. If you could do me a really big favor and uh, get a time machine to go back about four years to the White Sox and let them know that James Shields is a bad investment, uh, that would be great. Oh, you look so bad when I was talking about Fernando Tatis. It hurts my heart. (laughs) It hurts my heart. Just imagining like Moncada, Aloy, Tatis, oh. like just that core of like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it hurts, it hurts. All right, so so you have uh, a couple other players on here. Um, Anderson Tejada, uh, shortstop for the for the Rangers, shortstop. Uh, 
he's playing yes. second for Rugnet Odor right now. Uh, to be honest, it's it's mostly he's mostly on there for a funny story. Um, I'm in an AL only dynasty league, and my buddy picked him up. We we go through fan tracks, which is fantastic for dynasty leagues because they have all the players on there, uh, and are much more customizable. Quick shout out to them. Uh, but they had two Anderson Tejadas listed on the waiver wire. And so my friend texted me, was like, I want to pick up Tejada, but I don't know which one. And I said, I just guess. I don't really know what to tell you. Uh, and so he picked one up and then Tejada hit a home run and stole a base in his first game. And my buddy had put him in his starting lineup and was like, he's not giving me stats. And thankfully, Fantrax figured it out. But that's how I was alerted to the fact that Anderson Tejada had a pretty good debut and looked pretty strong. Uh, again, Odur's, I don't think, out for very long. I don't know that Tejada is much uh, of an asset for this year unless he steps into a starting role full-time, which unless something happens to Andrews or Odur, I don't know that that's going to happen. But he's one of their more exciting prospects. He was didn't get a lot of fanfare when he came up. Uh, he's a guy that I think I'm still a little bit interested in in Dynasty, but is probably not much of an asset this year. But in AL only, yeah, you're going to want him, and you're going to want the right one. So I'm glad Fantrax got that figured out. <laughs> Did Jamie write a? Did Jamie write him up? No, Jamie wrote up Herberto Hernandez. Ah, okay, all another right. Prospect, which you should go read that if you haven't. Yeah. It's very fantastic. But all of them are better than Rugnit Ordor. It doesn't really matter. Yes, very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rugnit Ordor is trash. I'm talking to you, Jonathan Metzelar. All right. So anyway, so so we're going back to uh, Brandon. Brandon Bilak, Bilak, Bilak. Bilak, oh. <laughs> Okay, sure. And Sterling Sharp, uh, not the tight end from the Tampa, or Green Bay Packers fame. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. So so you asked me, do we care? Uh, no, no. Um, so for Brandon B- Bilak, <laughs> forcing fastball, changeup, cutter, slider, the reason that I don't like him is, is again, this is kind of one of the reasons that we like Spencer Howard. There's just not a lot of velo band between what he offers. He might throw four or five pitches, but all of them are kind of like somewhere between 94 miles per hour and 88 miles per hour mm-hmm. um, with the change of being a little bit slower than that. But like nothing really stands out there. Um, so I'm I'm not really interested in him. Uh, he's a swingman, in my opinion, and and that's that. But okay, like there there might be a purpose for that in somebody's league somewhere. Not one of mine. Um, and then Sterling Sharp. Uh, what's weird about him uh, that I was looking into? He throws that changeup, and he throws it a lot, mm-hmm. and that's interesting to me. But uh, you know, I, I don't really know too many uh, starting pitchers out there that are change up primary pitch. Um, so I, I just, I, I feel like Jarrell Cotton was one of those dudes that was out there for a while that everybody's really, really excited about with the change up first kind of pitch uh, mm-hmm. offering. But uh, I, I don't know. Now I'm not into it. Yeah. I'm not super into either of these guys, either uh, Belak or, or Bilak. He'll likely get some, he could potentially get some starts against some not very good offenses, uh, which might make me potentially interested as a streamer. I'd like to see a little bit more, but I think long-term he's probably a long guy. The Astros like to turn their, their starting pitchers into those multi-use relievers. I could see him being that. And maybe at his peak, he's a good one of those, which they're fun. They're, they're guys that get a lot of attention, like Chris Davinsky, Brad Peacock, but they're never really fantasy relevant. So I wouldn't really uh, – and I'm not even sure that he's going to reach that ceiling. I think he's more of a sixth swingman type guy, and that's just – not exceptionally interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sharp, yeah, the the changeup is is nice. I think it's a decent pitch, but 
he yeah the 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 dominant pitchers you can think of who who dominated with their changeup are relievers mostly for a reason and unless that fastball picks up uh, or we start seeing a lot improvement on the breaking pitches i'm not sure that he's going to be much more than than that either okay uh you have eddie alvarez down here tell me about him yeah eddie alvarez uh, if you guys had not heard this story uh he got his first major league hit uh Two days ago, I think Friday or Saturday, uh, off of Jacob deGrom, which is always fun. He's a 30-year-old infielder for the Miami Marlins. But more importantly than that, he is a former Olympic speed skater. He won a medal in the 2014 Olympics as a speed skater and then came back to play baseball and worked his way all the way up through the Marlins system and is now playing for them, which is just a really fun story. I don't don't get any too excited fantasy relevance here, but he's that's a cool story. I don't think uh you can correct me if i'm wrong adam if you're into the olympic speed skating slash baseball world you know i am you know i am (laughs) i don't know that there's a lot of players who've made that combination in the past so it's pretty cool to see somebody who can uh, excel at both yeah apollo anton ono was uh really like he was a really good solid second baseman in little league but i don't see him uh i didn't see him making in the majors you didn't Uh, get a hit off the ground Dude, Eddie Alvarez is fast. Dude yeah. is fast. Dude is really, really fast. And I'm not talking about speed skating. I'm talking about just like quick footed. Uh, <laughs> and he gets off. So like, I, I mean, maybe he finds a way. Uh, clearly, he's working his way up. Clearly, he's an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's fast. Kid, yeah. kid is fast. Um, all right, so we got we got a, a batch of other um, other debuts and i just saw the last one that you wrote up and i got a little sad about this all right so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out the three names you pick one i'll pick one and then we can uh be sad about uh the last one uh uh, jesus lazardo tukey yeah uh, i'll talk about jesus lazardo uh he finally got a chance to start uh you know he's been coming out of the bullpen for a while he's a guy that has been touted as a top prospect top pitching prospect for a couple of years now i think i wrote up two years ago that he was going to be a top 25 pitcher that year. And obviously it's taken a long time to get to that point. Injuries have been a big part of that, but we got to see him start. He threw five shutout innings. Uh, I think he had eight strikeouts. I don't have that written down. Uh, That could be wrong. Um, But he is owned in, I think like 93% of Yahoo leagues, uh, something similar in ESPN leagues. If for some reason your league's not one of them, what are you doing? Go pick him up. Uh, he's fantastic. I'm hoping that the A's will keep him in the rotation long-term. I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, got lefty throws ridiculously hard, great breaking stuff. Uh, going to be, I really believe, going to be a lights-out guy as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that he's finally up. Yeah, one of the things that I absolutely love about Luzardo is, the, is his pitch mix. The guy is just like, he does not lean heavily on one pitch or the other. He has that sinker, he has the slider, and then he has the fastball. And all of them bite, and they're fast as heck. Uh, <laughs> as heck. I got to say those words. Got to be careful with that. And the changeup's there, too. Like, he, he throws the changeup at a pretty reasonable clip, too. So, so just the mix is just interesting to me. That's, I think that's why he keeps people off balance so much and that why the slider plays up more than anything. So I, am, I, I like him a lot. Obviously, he's a guy that people have been talking about now for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, he's debuted, he's in it, and he's – I mean, in my mind, he's probably a top 25 starting pitcher, maybe a top 20 at this point. Mm-hmm. I would not probably put him in the top 15 category. I think he's probably got to earn his way up there. But yeah. uh, with with uh, people getting old and hurt, uh, Charlie Morton, Justin Verlander, I'm very sad about you. I hope yep. you're doing better. But the, as as these people fall off, he kind of raises up. 
Now that said, right, Luzardo, one of the big things with him is the fact that he um, has had injury uh, issues in the past, uh, both recently and in the long term. So I just keep an eye on that. Um, Obviously, the pitchers are uh, precarious at best. So, so, but Luzardo is the real deal when he's pitching. Uh, Tukey, my guy, he pitches. Last week we were talking about him. We were speculating that he was going to be the one that uh, steps in and becomes the guy that replaces uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh my God, Michael Mike Fultonevich. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got uh, a little uh, bummed about the fact that Tukey was a bit of a wild man, uh, that he really couldn't harness his stuff, and that he probably is somebody that would be very interesting uh, to be uh, like a three-inning, go-out-there-and-blow-it-out type player. Uh, last week, he pitched 10 innings, 14 Ks, uh, to a – what is that? A f- uh, well, four innings with one earned run, six and two-thirds with three earned runs – the curveball uh, that we were salivating over last week uh, was on full display, um, just giving everybody uh, just like we were all heated and hot about it. Um, it's a trap. Don't fall into it. He's going to fall back. He's going to end up being wild again. He's going to lose his grip somewhere along the way. Um, enjoy it while it's here. If you want to stream him, go for it by all means. Like I'm not saying that, but just be aware that like he's very – Vincent Velasquez kind of kind of feel to him uh, thoughts. Yeah, very similar thoughts. Um, I think that he's still probably going to be best utilized long term as a three four inning type guy. He went six and two thirds in his first start, looked good, uh, only gave up three earned runs. So it it's not like he can't pitch his way into those games. That breaking ball is absolutely devastating. Uh, the rest of his stuff is good. It's not that it's bad. Uh, his command is just spotty. And I think that in the long term, continually facing a lineup the third time through is just not going to go very well for him. So I think that he's a guy that I'm interested in as a pitcher. I'm not as interested in as a fantasy asset. I'm not sure how much you're just not going to get a lot out of him in, in wins and quality starts leagues in particular. I just don't think he has the ability to go super deep into games without blowing up. Uh, you, you could try to look to sell him potentially if there's got people who are really interested in him after these first two starts. Uh, I would be surprised if, I mean, obviously you could, you could probably find somebody who might take advantage, but I'm not confident that he's going to be, you know, you're not going to get this all that often. So just be happy with what you get here and then kind of wait and see what's going to happen after this. But I think we're going to see some regression soon or potentially a, a role change again. Yeah. I mean, pitch pitchers are such a wasteland right now, right? Like James Paxton, bad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Verlander and Morton hurt Strasburg yeah. hurt and kind of bad. Like there's just like the, the, we talked about this last week at nauseum, the Braves rotation is rough. And that's yeah. why uh, that's why Tuki Tassant's getting a um, that's why he's getting a shot. So mm-hmm. I mean, if it's me and I'm competing in my window right now, and and I'm looking to throw some darts, I need look my my team's a mash unit. I, I need a couple pitchers out there. I might say, hey, I'll, I'll throw down a little bit for Tuki. Let's just see if yeah. I can get some lightning in a bottle. At the very least, I'm getting a, a, a guy that's got some high K's. Um, maybe he's got a high whip with it, but like we can offset that somewhere along the way. Um, if you were ever going to sell Tukey, now's the time. And yep. you're telling that you're telling that other owner, look, the Braves are really good. Uh, they just need some pitchers. And it looks like Tukey's got his opportunity. Go ahead and buy. And you, are you interested? Give me what. Right. You, give me your best offer. 
and mm-hmm. uh, go from there. So, so yeah. Um, uh, next name that we're going to talk about, a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. He's he's been on the farm yeah. with us, uh, Jose De Leon, my guy. Uh, not great. Didn't go yeah. well. Yeah, it's a bummer. I've been rooting for Jose De Leon long before he was even on the podcast. Uh, just want to see him be successful. He's had so many injuries. He was such a highly touted guy. Uh, he came in, came up with the Reds first innings this year, uh, eight earned runs in less than two innings pitched. Just did not have it. I mean, just flat out wasn't there. I, I don't want to say that it's gone because I have some optimism that maybe uh, this was more of an aberration, but I mean, you're not touching him in any leagues at this point, unfortunately, for those of you who made that investment in 2014, 15 or whatever. Uh, you probably already gave up before now, but if you haven't, it might, it might be a good time. And that's unfortunate because I really like him uh, and I want him to succeed. And I hope that there's still something left in the tank. I hope he can throw enough major league innings to not be a prospect anymore but uh if his outings can't go more than two innings then it's gonna it's gonna be a while and that's unfortunate counterpoint Mm -hmm. counterpoint to your point his his velo is up on all pitches all right so so he was uh 91 in 2017 92 in 2016 when he was with the dodgers 91 in 2017 got a surgery he got hurt he's at Mm 94.7 uh, on his fastball, 86.6. On his changeup, 82.2. On his slider, that's a nice little velo band there. He's got the options. He's not going to be a starter. He's not going to be a starter, everybody. So, like, just like that, that dream of when he was a really good starter for those three or four starts for the Dodgers is mm-hmm. a is a flash in the pan. It's not going to happen. But he's got it. He's going to come back, and he's going to be better than ever. I hope. Team Jose. <laughs> I hope he carves out a great career as a reliever. I think that, I mean, that is the absolute ceiling is above average reliever for Jose De Leon. And I do think it's possible. I have no doubt, but I, if you're expecting anything more than that, uh, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen, but I'm excited about the velo bump. I'm excited about uh, the fact that he's up and hopefully he'll, uh, he'll find his way. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's, let's, let's get into some general sadness. Uh, Cause what is our podcast without some general sadness? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Shohei, Ho- Shohei Otani, uh, mm-hmm. Mike Soroka, and then the White Sox mash unit. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, man. Uh, I'll talk about Mike Soroka because we've been talking about the Braves pitchers already. Uh, and the Braves are interesting because they, uh, they have a lot of young pitching that could come up to the major leagues that they've been unwilling to bring up. Uh, so we'll, we'll start with Soroka. He got hurt. For those of you who did not see this, uh, he tore, I think, his Achilles or he tore something in his ankle while running to cover first base. He's out for the year. A massive bummer for a guy who has pitched really well last year, looked good to start out this year. Uh, it's just just a good young pitcher in the game. You hate to see guys like this get hurt. Um, I'm really bummed for him. The Braves have obviously had their challenges with Fulte Nevich getting sent down because of uh, a tremendous loss in velocity and now losing Soroka. Uh, they gave Tuki one of those spots, as we talked about earlier. Uh, they gave uh, Huascar Yanoa. I probably didn't pronounce that correctly. He got the start today in place of him. Uh, but they have Tucker Davidson. They have Ian Anderson. They have Kyle, Ro- Kyle Wright's in the rotation. They have Bryce Wilson. They have Kyle Muller. 
all guys who are ostensibly pretty close to ready to the big leagues, like guys that I think could debut. Uh, I know Anderson and Moeller are not on the 40-man roster, which is part of the reason I did not have them on the stash list this week because I think the Braves probably aren't going to bring them up over Davidson and Wilson because those guys are already on the 40-man. But they haven't showed willingness to bring those guys up either. Davidson is a guy that I'm particularly interested in. Lefty, he went to driveline over the summer. Velocity ticked up a lot in his time over there. Uh, Mid-90s now, high 80s slider from the left side. Uh, command is bad, to put it lightly. He just That's going to be his issue, and I'm not sure that – if the Braves don't think he's ready, then the command is probably the reason why, I guess would be my, my biggest guess there. But I'm curious if we're going to see some of those young pitchers in Atlanta. Uh, it sucks that it's going to be at the expense of Sirocco because he's a guy that, you know, everybody invested really heavily in on draft day. And I think the return was going to be there from a performance perspective and an injury, a fluke injury like this that has nothing to do with ramping it up in a short summer or nothing to do with COVID-19, just a freak thing that happened is, is a bummer. And hopefully it doesn't impact him uh, too much next year, although it doesn't seem – he's not going to pitch a full year next year either. And it could impact a good chunk of 2021 as well, which just sucks. I'm just glad that it didn't even get any worse because uh, the next day Max Freed went out. And he, yes, he looked like he was injured. And I was just yeah. like, oh, God, these guys can't catch a break. But uh, yeah. it looks like he's back. He'll be fine and, and he'll pitch. But, yeah, uh, he, you know, Soroka already had his um, Achilles surgery. So he's out and hopefully he's back next year and better than ever. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, we talked about the Braves a lot last week. We talked about the options that they had and, and who we liked, what, what we didn't like about certain prospects. Uh, and if you're interested, go back and listen to that one because, oh, boy, uh, it it did not age well, but though that part specifically, that part's still evergreen in my mind. Yep. Um, all right, so so we we have the White Sox mash unit: Carlos Rodon injured, bad shoulder issue; Nick Madrigal injured, bad shoulder issue; Reynaldo Lopez injured, bad shoulder issue. <laughs> Seems like a running theme there, all for different reasons. Uh, Carlos Rodon um, injured it a couple years ago, and it just never has seen seemingly come back. Um, so he's pretty much cooked at this point. I uh, wish I didn't have to say those words, um, <laughs> but here I am. Um, Nick Madrigal uh, separated his shoulder, sliding into third base, I think. Uh, so he's out for at least a few weeks. Um, and even when he comes back, Right, if you you're gonna have to rehab and do all of that, so so I probably wouldn't expect him back before the end of the year, um, when the White Sox are making their inevitable push for the World Series, and then Reynaldo Lopez, um, again another dude who has kind of wonky mechanics. He's very herky jerky, like violent in his delivery, and that kind of has always led to some control issues. Um, and surprise, surprise, he has a shoulder issue. Um, I don't know what this is really going to mean. You've asked a question about uh, will we see Dane Dunning or Stever? I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I think Dunning, they're stretching out right now. If they can get him up and, and ready in time, then yes. But they do have Ross Detweiler running around there uh, being, a, being a pitcher that can throw a baseball. Uh, <laughs> and that's about as much as I can say about Ross Detweiler. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think you'll see Dunning. And we talked about this last week again. You'll see Dunning before you see Stever just because he probably has that half step on uh, Stever. Uh, not to say that either one of them I prefer over the other. Uh, but yeah, uh, Birdie came up. Bert, Zach Birdie, Zach Birdie, Zach yep. Birdie, Zach yep. Birdie. Yeah, came up. So um, yeah, after his brother fell apart and he's no longer playing. So uh, 
are, uh, you know, Nick, sorry, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think you're still going to have kind of this hodgepodge of players. You're going to have Giolito being your dude, Dallas Keuchel being a workhorse, and then some sort of amalgamation of, of players. Um, <laughs> so if you could put the, the staffs of the, the Braves and the White Sox together, uh, you'd have one hell of a four, four pitching staff rotation. You'd still have like four guys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think the last one we had here was Shohei Otani, still a DH, but will he ever do both for a full season? Oh boy. Yeah. Go, I, go ahead. Give me the odds on that. What are, what do you think is going to happen percentage wise? I, I guess it depends what you count as a full season, but assuming he makes like 25 plus starts and, 400 at-bats, let's say that's what we would consider a full season, or 350 at-bats, because if he makes 25 starts, he probably won't hit every day. I think the odds of that happening are probably like less than 25, less than 30%, maybe. I was going to say 20%, yeah, less than 20%. Yeah, I, I just – I mean, at this point, the Angels have – they have to start considering cutting their losses on this. Not, I mean, not Otani overall, but cutting their losses on, on this experiment. Uh, I mean – you have a, a very ancient manager who was willing to leave Otani out for 42 pitches in an inning when he was just coming back from Tommy John surgery. I'm still going to harbor some some ill feelings towards Joe Madden for that because I think that had a lot to do with Otani's injury. Um, I don't know. It's I don't know if the Angels think like are more willing to take risk with Otani's arm because they know they can still have him as a hitter. In theory, that should be the opposite. They should be less inclined. Um, but I don't. It just doesn't seem like. I mean, the the performance wasn't really there for Otani on the bump, but he had very little. I think he threw like two innings this season or something. Uh, I still think that the talent is there for him to be a good major league pitcher. I would be curious to see if they would just attempt to make him a reliever. A reliever slash DH would be a super weird role, but something that uh, could potentially keep his arm healthier. But I don't know. I, I'm not confident that we're going to see a guy who makes 20-plus starts and gets three or four starts a week at DH. I just – I don't know. Otani's the best chance we're probably ever going to have to have it, and my confidence in it happening are really slim. I just don't know that it's really possible in, in baseball right now, and it's a bummer because – He's got the skills. He's a good enough hitter and a good enough pitcher. It's just hard to do both of them in the same year, and he's proven that. Yeah, I mean, would you be happy? Let's just say that you um, you started, right? You, you drafted uh, Shohei Otani to be both a pitcher and a hitter for you. Mm -hmm. Would you be happy moving ahead if he were to become a closer and a more regular uh, batter? Yes. Yeah, yeah you'd, be, be, you'd be fine with, with that. that. Because yeah. you're still getting something out of him, whereas right now it's a question of whether or not you're going to get anything from him. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be disappointed if he was like a like a middle reliever and really not generating any like any categories outside of strikeouts. But I don't think the Angels would do that. I think if they're going to turn him into a reliever, he's going to be their best reliever. I mean, his stuff right now, even as a starter, is better than any of their relievers. So just imagining what it would play up like in a bullpen when he's healthy. Yeah, and I mean, who, who's their closer right now? Is it Robles still? Or Ty Buttrey. I mean, their their bullpen's not very good. So uh, Otani competing to be a closer in late 2021 or 2022 would probably be their best bet right away. And I, that would be really fun to see. And I'd be happy as a fantasy owner. But um, I don't know if I, – I mean, it's hard for me to imagine them just trying to roll him back out as a starter again after having this happen. But it's the Angels. 
and I wouldn't be shocked to see them do anything that could jeopardize pitcher's health. It's something that we've seen them have issues with in the past, so it wouldn't be surprising, sadly. Protect Dylan Bundy at all costs. Yeah, for real. Put him in bubble wrap or something. Yeah. So uh, so we got a bunch of names here. We got hot starts and cold cold starts, sophomore slumps here as well. Um, let's, go, let's go with the sophomore slumps to start with. Uh, we'll go two each. Uh, Josh James, Michael Chavis, Oscar Mercado, Kevin Biggio, Miguel Andahar. Mm-hmm. What do you? Which one do you want to go with? I'll start with Mercado, I guess, because he's somebody that I was really in on last year. Uh, we had 15 and 15 from him, and not even a full season uh, in 2019. He was not a. He was a, a good prospect, but not like an a, not an elite prospect by any means. So it was kind of a bit of a surprise to see him do that with Cleveland considering like we've talked about I think on last week's episode they haven't had a good outfielder in a long time for <laughs> Mercado's probably the best outfielder they've had since God, since Michael Brantley left maybe um and it was really good to see him do well last year he's just looked awful to start this year uh the, the Indians have been moving a lot of their outfitters around. We've seen Bradley Zimmer have flashes of looking good uh Delano DeShields has been in and out of being healthy because I think he had COVID-19 and that caused him to miss some time. Uh, It's just been a weird situation, but none of them have played up to to their capabilities. Uh, I'm, there are some sophomore guys that I wouldn't be as worried about. Mercado is one that I'm somewhat concerned about because we haven't had this huge pedigree of success. Um, There's some swing and miss stuff that's concerning. Uh, Even last year, his on-base percentage wasn't great. If you want a guy who's going to steal some bases, you need a guy who's going to get on base. Uh, For Mercado, the appeal was that there was some power there. We have not seen that at all this year. We haven't seen the speed at all. Obviously, it's a small sample size, and I'm not recommending that people just flood and move away from him in droves. Um, But if you see him dropped in your league, I'm also not saying that you should necessarily rush to pick him up. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is just kind of a a, a down year for him. I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't rebound from this as much as we'd like to think that he will. Uh, I still think the long-term value there is okay. I still think he can be a guy who bops some home runs and steals some bases. But I think that the appeal is certainly – dimmed from what it was last year and i think that there's a little bit of legitimacy to that as well and he's not a guy i'm nearly as high on as i was last year yeah i mean i was always suspect on the power itself i know that that he displayed it last year but the truth of the matter is is when he was coming up through the minors he didn't really show that power the way that he did during his debut so i mean it could have been a product of the rabbit ball it could have been a product of just bad pitching that he kind of ran into and got lucky on or, or whatever it was but i wasn't i wasn't really hope or expecting that to continue throughout the rest of his career i was just hoping for something rather than nothing um Obviously, he struggled quite a bit. I think he had, there was a point in time where he had struck out six of his last seven at-bats, um, and he has now been sitting. Uh, not only was he batting at the bottom half of the order, uh, but now he's just sitting. So, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, Domingo Santana, Daniel Johnson, uh, who else we got out there? Bradley Zimmer and, and then uh, some other guys. Uh, so, so I, you know, I, I expect him to kind of turn it back over. He's not going to be as bad as he is right now, but, um, I, and I don't expect the, the Indians, if they have any hope of actually making a deep run, uh, relying on Jordan Luplo and Delano DeShields Jr. So Oscar Mercado has got to come back if they want it. And I'm sure that they're going to give him another shot, but right now it's, it's a little rough. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I mean, Interesting that you put Josh James out there. 
Um, I feel like we're going to get hate mail about this because there is a subset of the fantasy community that just believes Josh James is and always will be the bee's knees. Um, and and uh, I'm just going to let you go ahead and touch that third rail. <laughs> For the way, I, I will welcome hate mail. I'm like, glad to know people are listening and passionate enough about it to, uh, to, to let us know their feelings. Uh, yeah, James is just not I – mean, I mean, his ERA is 10.29 on the season. Again, seven innings, clearly a small sample size, but his ERA is 10.29. I feel like I'm going to repeat that really quickly. Uh, He's been flat out atrocious. His strikeout rate is really, really good. Again, seven innings. He has 10 strikeouts. Uh, He has 11 walks. His command is just gone. It's just, it's not there. And it's never, it was never great. Uh, His, his little stint in, in 2018, he threw 23 innings with the Astros. Then that time his command was pretty solid. His walk rate was, 2.74 2.74 walks per nine, which was great, but pretty much every other stop of his minor league career and his other stint in the major leagues in 2019, his walk rate has been really high. So for me, I love the strikeout potential. I love the stuff, just you know, getting out of the stats and talking more. His fastball is fantastic. Both his slider and changeup are very good. So I can see the appeal. I can understand why people are really interested in him, but I'm out. I'm just, I'm out at this point. I don't, I wasn't really in going into the year, to be honest. So maybe that makes it easier for me to say now, but I, I just, I don't think that the command is there for him to be more than like an opening or opener or a two or three inning guy. Uh, I think if the Astros commit to him being a reliever like they did last year, I mean, we saw a strikeout rate in 61 innings last year was 37.6. I mean, that's absurd. Walk rate was 13.2%. So it was still, still a struggle there, but He's certainly not this bad, obviously. Nobody, no major league pitcher is this bad. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty out right now. The Astros are, it seem to be out as well. They took him out of the starting rotation. Uh, Brandon Bilak, I think, took his spot. Christian Javier obviously has a spot right now as well. Jose Urquidy is coming back, although I think he'll probably be in the bullpen as well. But when you have the injuries that the Astros have had and Josh James is not pitching well enough to take a rotation spot in what is easily his best opportunity to do so, uh, that's pretty concerning. And I, I'm, I think he's going to eventually be a pretty decent major league pitcher, but I'm not sure that he'll ever be fantasy relevant because I think he'll be uh, one of those middle relief guys and, and a high strikeout middle reliever, which is great, but I don't think he has the command to be a starter long-term. Yeah. You have on the notes here that, uh, that Jose Peraza is way better than Michael Chavis. Do you want to go ahead and explain why that is? Uh, that, <laughs> um, Chavis is another guy that kind of like Mercado that I was pretty in on last year. Uh, I liked the positional flexibility of being second base and first base eligible. Uh, I mean, he hit 18 home runs in 95 games last year. So there was some appeal. He also hit, I mean, he hit seven home runs in AAA that year as well. But the, yeah, but he's a human windmill. Yeah. <laughs> plate discipline is atrocious. I mean, this year he's walking less than 4% of the time. He's striking out just about 40% of the time, just ugly, ugly stuff. He's hitting 240, 269 on base percentage. I mean, obviously, I, I don't need to keep saying this, but it's a small sample, but it's it's a very, very troubling sample. His walk rate is plummeted. He's just swinging and missing at everything that he sees right now. It's not good. Yeah, but he hit a home run on Wednesday. He went three for four on Wednesday and hit a home run, and then he hasn't played since then. So uh, Boston's very mad. Uh, and, and they want, they want explanations as to why 
Michael Chavis isn't starting over over Jose Peraza. And and just to be clear, you you like or love Jose Peraza? I like Jose Peraza. I don't know that I love him. Um, I like him uh, over Michael Chavis, uh, certainly. Uh, Peraza is just, uh, he, obviously he makes more contact, which is not saying a whole lot. Uh, he's only 26 years old. I think that uh, he's been around for a while, so I think that some people maybe forget that a little bit. Uh, he hasn't been fantastic this year either. Uh, his walk rate is actually almost exactly the same as Michael Chavis's, but his strikeout rate is way less so he's making more contact uh he's 265 average is fine it's not great uh he's a better defensive player which i think is helpful for boston as well um and then i think they even they gave peraza a break and i think they started uh oh man i don't know how to pronounce his name uh Len. yeah let's go with that yeah we'll go with that uh, he started over chavis as well so I don't know. I mean, there's tons of reasons this could have happened. Maybe Chavis was not feeling well. Maybe they just wanted to give Lynn an opportunity. Who knows? Um, but he's not very good. And so if he's getting playing time over Chavis, if that becomes a consistent thing, then that's very worrisome. Uh, I don't have much shares of him. Uh, I wouldn't recommend a whole lot of other people do. Obviously, in deeper dynasties, if you have him, uh, you might just hold and see if it, something comes back, but I'd be pretty down on him right now. If you can get any value out of him, I, I might just be moving on. I don't think that uh, we're going to see him develop into the guy that, that some people hoped he was going to be. Well, let me ask you a question about Jose Peraza since you love him so much. Uh, do you, do you like, do you, would you take uh, Peraza or would you take Luis Arias? Uh, Dynasty? Dynasty. Urias. Uh, yeah, I think redraft definitely Peraza, but uh, Dynasty. No, no, Arias. 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 I not, Uri- not Urias. Arias. Yes. Yeah, um, Peraza. Peraza then. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I got to make a quick trade right now before this comes out. No, I'm teasing. Uh, I really like Arias a lot. I think he makes a lot of contact and he's probably just slower and less tantalizing at that end of things. But would you take uh, Mauricio Dubon, uh, Colton Wong, or Jose Peraza? Hmm. Probably Peraza. That's pretty close. I'm I'm souring on Dubon. I would have said him to start the year, I think, without a doubt. But he hasn't looked very good. Uh, I don't love him in San Francisco. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking probably Peraza there uh, because of the contact. I guess it depends if it's in a, a OBP league, probably not Peraza because he doesn't draw walks at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a batting average league, yeah, I think I would, I think I would lean Peraza. Okay. All right, uh, so there you go. You have your Jose Peraza moment. Uh, Andy <laughs> loves him uh, and thinks that he should definitely start over Michael Chavis. Uh, again, at Andy Patton, S-E-A. Uh, okay, so there we go, Boston. Um, you have Kevin Biggio and Miguel Andahar down. Both of them seem uh, bad. Uh, Miguel Andahar was optioned uh, back to the uh, alternate site. Um, and, uh, that is worrisome. That is not great for him. He's ha- obviously had that shoulder injury. I don't think he's really playing third anymore. Um, so he's basically a first baseman type player, uh, and, and Mike Ford slash, uh, what's his face? Um, sitting over Luke there at Voigt. first base. Yep. Luke Voigt. Thank you. Are sitting over there at first base. So he really doesn't have a place to play. Yeah. The Yankees uh, have obviously been willing to just hold on to, 
prospects or minor leaguers forever without playing them. Um, I don't know if Miguel Andujar will get the Clint Frazier treatment necessarily, but he hasn't earned playing time yet this year. I mean, 14 plate appearances and he has not he did not draw a single walk and he only has I believe one hit in those plate appearances so he I mean he just was not getting it done he you know he was great in 2018 obviously had that fantastic breakout season hit 297 with 27 home runs that was fantastic uh obviously the injury last year so it's you know you can kind of wipe out that year I wouldn't judge his 128 average in just 12 games but he looks bad again this year uh, it's still a small sample, but the Yankees just they don't have room for him. I mean, he, he Gio Urshela is really good. Uh, he's proving that last year was not a fluke, which is not something that I necessarily expected to happen. Um, and they are not going to play him at first base over the guys they have there. They don't have room at DH. Even with Giancarlo Stanton getting hurt, they're probably going to have Judge DH more and rotate some of their other outfielders with Mike Talkman and Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner. And I just – don't know that I see much of a role for Andujar and his trade value is probably not great right now. So I don't really know that the Yankees are going to send him somewhere where he can get playing time. I think that there are plenty of teams who would be willing to take a shot on him and, and see if they can get, you know, get him to look at least somewhat like that 2018 form. But I don't envision the Yankees trading him and I don't really see a route where he plays much. So I'm pretty worried. Uh, It's hard to not be worried about a guy who just doesn't seem to have a clear path to playing time. Uh, Maybe he finds a new home and he's still only 25. So there's a possibility that we start to see some flashes. But uh, if you were asking me odds on whether 2018 is going to be Miguel Andujar's best major league season, I'm, over 50%, I'm saying yes. I think that's probably the best we're going to see from him, and that's unfortunate. Uh, and I don't know if the injury is still bothering him, if that's a potential issue, but it, it he has been very underwhelming in the limited time we've seen from him uh, since he came back. All right. So uh, we're going to we're gonna enter uh, uh, our favorite segment, What Are You Doing Here in a Moment? But uh, you touched on this really quickly, and I guess this is a nice transition into uh, what are you doing. Uh, Clint Frazier, what are you doing? <laughs> like what is happening there? I don't, it's really hard, man. I mean, the New York media has had a whole bunch of different theories and, and there's issues where it's, is it Clint Frazier's fault? Is there attitude problems? Is it, uh, are they, do the Yankees just not like him? It's, that's a whole lot of things. Um, his performance hasn't been great. I mean, this isn't even a Kyle Tucker type situation where Tucker was just overwhelmingly good and the Astros just aren't playing him. Even like the kind of the Garrett Hampson situation in Colorado, like Frazier hasn't looked exceptionally great, but it's pretty clear he's earned more opportunities than he has gotten. I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting to see now with Stanton out, is Frazier going to get a look? I think it'll be Taubman. And again, he's been very good. So it's, you can't really fault the Yankees for playing the player who has been a little bit better, but it's at some point, it's just like, why don't they just trade him? Like that's that's more my confusion. Just like they could have probably flipped him for a really good player two years ago. Now that won't be the case, but flip him for something. I mean, you lost Aroldis Chapman and Tommy Canley Conley uh, are on the injured list. Flip him for a reliever. If you can, like, I I don't understand why you like, and the Yankees are certainly not the only team that do this, but why teams hold on to players as their value just disappears and disappears and disappears and, and they refuse to play them. I'm like, I don't understand the Manny Machado treatment. 
Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. So uh, I feel for Clint Frazier. I hope he gets a chance somewhere else. Uh, but I would be very shocked if he got a chance in New York. It doesn't seem like they're going to change their mind on that anytime soon. All right. So, so next up, uh, next name, Gavin Lux. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Yeah, the, the Dodgers called up Zach McKinstry for a day, which was kind of odd. Uh, they didn't, I don't even think McKinstry played. And then he got sent back down because it was the day before the rosters had to get cut from 30 to 28. I, I can understand why it wasn't Lux for a day. That would have been kind of bizarre. Um, but the, there was quotes, I think it was by Dave Roberts, who said, well, we view him as a starter and we don't want um, we, we to call him up unless he's going to be a starter. I kind of hate that excuse. Um, I've heard it before. Um, the Seahawks have used it before for not signing uh, Colin Kaepernick, which I won't go into any more detail on that situation, but I did not believe that excuse and neither should you. Um, but with Lux, like, yes, Enrique Hernandez is playing well. Chris Taylor has been playing pretty well. Gavin Lux missed part of summer camp. He showed up late. Uh, his swing didn't look great in, in summer camp. All of those things are true and are vaguely justifications to keep him down but i think he you i think you got it when there's not a minor league season if he was playing in triple a i could understand it but if without a minor league season bring him up and give him a chance to compete with hernandez and taylor let him try to beat those guys if they beat him if they genuinely play better than him fine then that happens then if you need a roster spot you can send him back down or you can keep him in a utility role but you're saying well, he's good enough to be a starter, but he's not good enough to be a starter on our team, so therefore we're just not going to play him at all. Is doesn't make sense to me. I don't really understand that logic. If he's good enough to be a starter, he should be good enough than the last player on your bench. He should be better than Zach McKinstry, and you're not giving him an opportunity to play. Um, I'm I'm pretty I'm much lower on Lux this year than I was before. Not in a dynasty. My view of him hasn't changed there at all. He's still a top five prospect in baseball. But I, if you're still holding on to him in a redraft league, I mean, I, I can. I, I it's an unfortunate situation to be in. I know you don't want to cut him right before he could potentially come up. But every week that I have to sit down and write an article about stashes, and I'm like, I have no idea if the Dodgers are going to call Gavin Lux up. It just there hasn't been a lot of strong indication that they will. And unless something happens with those infielders, I, I'm not confident that we're going to see much of him this year, which is unfortunate. Well, you love Chris Taylor in a 700 OPS. Like you've you've said that <laughs> offline a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're just, just really big on Chris Taylor. <laughs> I mean, he well, that's Chris Taylor should be a, a role player, a bench, a utility guy. That's what he's best at. Let him do that. Let Gavin Lux start. Do the, the thing with Kike Hernandez where you move him around and still get him consistent at bats. Call it good, but I don't know. The Dodgers don't want to do that for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, it's not they. They're they're enamored and happy with Chris Taylor and Kike. Manning second base and that's that and I guess Max Muncy but even now like he's injured so I don't, I don't know um all right so so let's uh I think we hit on uh, Dylan Carlson a little bit you basically said mm-hmm. we never know if he's actually going to get called up because we never know if the Cardinals are ever going to play baseball ever again um and then we talked on the Marlins briefly talking about Monte Harrison uh they obviously didn't call up six to uh, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Luan Diaz, any of those guys, much to my chagrin, I was very excited and anticipating Luan Diaz to be a, a dude this year. Um, but nope, nada. Yeah, I think we could see him later in the year. Uh, I, I, but it was disappointing to not see them now. Um, Sixto and Edward Cabrera are both starters that I think 
are probably pretty close to major league ready. They're maybe not quite there, but I mean, the Marlins rolled out. We talked about Sterling Sharp earlier. He's not very good. I know he's a rule five guy, so I think they had to keep him on the active roster. Uh, Nick Niedert has thrown innings and he's not very good. Uh, Dan Castona or Costana, somebody that I've never heard of through innings for the Marlins. So, you know, they're, they're hesitant with these guys. Maybe it's because they think, like, they don't want to start a service time clock on a guy when their season could get uh, wrapped up really quickly, when there could be more positive cases. They're cheap. They're the Marlins. They really just maybe don't want to start these guys until April of 2021 and then get an the extra first year. place Marlins. I want you to make sure that you understand yes. and say that. Well, that's another point. Yeah, they're, they're seven and two, eight and one, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know how much that's going to hold, but if it does, they're going to be in a really interesting position where, okay, they have, there's three weeks left in the season. They're actually in a spot where they could contend for a playoff spot. And Nick Niedert's going to start when Sixter Sanchez is down there, when Edward Cabrera is down there, or you're going to keep rolling out uh, with no disrespect at all to Olympic speed skater, Eddie Alvarez, you're going to roll him out over Jess Chisholm. Like you're going to roll out, uh, you know, player X over Luin Diaz. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see some of those guys uh, at some point this year. I would have liked to see it happen already. The fact that it hasn't made me and the fact that it's the Marlins makes me a little nervous that we may not see them at all. Uh, but uh, they're guys that I'm definitely paying attention to still and hope to see. All right. We're going to, we're going to close out with our last little segment here of hot starts. Um, so we have we have a list of names. You pick two, I'll pick two, and then we'll close it out from there. You wrote down Dansby, uh, Swanson, Trent Grisham, Spencer Turnbull, Mike Yastrzemski, and J.P. Crawford. Yep. Uh, I will go with Spencer Turnbull. <laughs> he was awesome today. Again, I think he's I, in my AL only league. I think he's pretty much the only pitcher who's gotten me any quality starts because quality starts have been hard to come by. Uh, and I picked him up. I didn't even draft him in this this league. Um, he was obviously – he was really good to start the year last year. Uh, he was a prospect that didn't get a lot of attention. He was a former second-round pick. It, it kind of looked like he was going to transition to the bullpen. He came up a little bit for the Tigers a few years ago through like three or four games, and then he earned a rotation spot last year and started out this, the season pretty strong. He was never going super deep in the games. Uh, and then things kind of unraveled in the second half, and the Tigers were absolutely unequivocally terrible, particularly even worse in games that he started, which is hard to believe. He went 3-17 and 17 last year with like a mid-4 ERA, which isn't great, but should not equal a 3-17 and 17 record. That is atrocious. Uh, he had like a, a 3.99 FIP, so there was some some encouragement uh, he, he locates really well. He's been mixing. He's abandoned the sinker. He's going with the four-seam fastball. Or not abandoned the sinker, but his first start, he abandoned the sinker, which got everybody really excited. You can read Ben Palmer's article on Pitcher List. They were geeked out about it. Then he came back and started throwing the sinker more, which kind of <laughs> discouraged people. He, he faced the Reds the first game, faced the Reds again the second game, and then threw a bunch of sinkers. Maybe he was just worried they were on him from the first game. That's kind of my take on it. We've seen less of the sinkers since then. His breaking stuff's solid. Um, I really like him. I really like what we've seen out of him. I was not, as somebody who followed the Tiger system really well, I was never that high on him. I thought he was going to be a reliever. I thought his ceiling was maybe sixth starter. The Tigers have had a lot of prospects who fell into that category. The Buck Farmers, uh, Drew Verhagen's of the world, and most of those guys didn't pan out at all. I kind of lumped him in there. I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad they finally hit on one of them. Um, I'm holding him everywhere I have him. Um, I do think that, I mean, certainly – He's been probably better than he will be going forward. If you have somebody in your league who's willing to pay a 
pretty big price for him and you want to sell high, I get it. But I do think that he's going to settle in as a quality starting pitcher, a, a fantasy asset for the rest of the year. And I think going forward, he could be really solid. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a frontline starter. He's not going to be a top 40 starting pitcher uh, very consistently. I think he'll have stretches where he looks like one, but um, I, I'm excited by what we've seen out of him so far. And from what I expected and what I think most Tigers fans expected, this has been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think he's really it's interesting, interesting. And I kind of – I'm going to get some feedback there. You good? Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's really interesting. I think he's a guy that uh, he's probably like a fourth starter, third mm-hmm. starter at the at best on your, on your good teams. Um, but, yeah, I think he's definitely somebody that if, if you're looking for the kind of that high floor uh, kind of player, he's not going to really have a high ceiling necessarily, but a high floor I'm in on him for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys that I had listed was uh, Renato Nunez. Um, I'm just going to say three names, uh, and you tell me what the three of them have in common. Okay, ready? Uh, Renato Nunez, Aaron Judge, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, man. Um, My gut would say exit velocities, like top three exit velocities, average. Yeah, you'd be very close to that. Uh, So of of the players with five or more home runs, uh, those three are the only ones with five or more no doubters. Okay. Uh, Renato Nunez has five home runs and all five of them were no doubters per StatCast. So right. uh, he is a dude that is just absolutely, when he gets a hold of the ball, it goes very long and very far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he is a, he was a bargain bin uh, dude. Uh, so if you, if you snagged him in the off season for cheap or in one of your uh, waiver wire pickups, uh, Congratulations. I think you have a a player on your hands. He is definitely somebody where if you are not competing um, and you're in a, in a league where you have a corner infield slot, um, a dude that where you're looking for power uh, that is, that is your type of player right there. Um, He has definitely got the Travis Shaw feels of 2018. Uh, So go for it. Uh, Go ahead and invest if you want to. Uh, He is definitely somebody that bolsters a roster and probably should not. And if, if they're asking for a King's ransom, then they are barking up the wrong tree but there is somebody that it's 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 the player where you can cut a reasonable deal you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you are in your in your league you're looking to bolster your roster and they know that they got a, you know like caught lightning in a bottle and mm-hmm. you know that too so you're just looking for that one player to kind of to push it through mm-hmm. um so yeah uh that's that's my uh spiel on renato nunez i think that he ends up continuing to mash us as time goes on i don't see it uh the orioles pulling playing time for him at all so he's he's a dude that's going to continue to get played appearances yep uh okay. all right yeah your your turn pick one all right uh, i'm going to stick with jp crawford um crawford has been a pleasant surprise for the mariners he was another guy who I you came over in the Gene Segura trade for Seattle. I, I live in Seattle. I've been following the team for a long time. Me and Mike Giagetto have a, pos, a podcast about the Mariners. It's never sunny in Seattle. We talked a lot about J.P. Crawford in the last episode because I kind of thought after his first year, I was pretty down on him. I thought, I don't know if the Mariners have their shortstop of the future until Noel Marte comes up. Like, I'm just not sure that this is the guy. I'm still not, like, dead. Like, I, my mind hasn't been completely flipped. But Crawford has looked really good. Uh, he's hitting the ball. He's making a lot of contact, a lot of contact. He's striking out under 13% of the time. He's walking a ton, which is something that his play discipline wasn't always great. It was good last year, so we saw a big jump in that, uh, and it has continued to grow, uh, and that has been fantastic. The uh, 
the Mariners are interesting just as a team. I don't, it's got to be some kind of philosophical shift because every single one of their players, if you go and look at their swing rates, their zone swing rates, they have plummeted. They're just not swinging the sticks. And for some guys, it's working a little bit. Like, I think it's helped Crawford be patient and draw a lot of walks. I mean, last year he had a 22.6% O swing rate. It is exactly the same this year. So he's, he's chasing the exact same rate. Last year he swung at pitches in the zone 67% of the time. This year that's down to 57% of the time. But his contact rate went from 81 last year to 88 this year. So he's being more selective with pitches in the zone. He's making more contact with the pitches he is swinging at. His swinging strike rate is 5%. So he doesn't have a lot of power. Uh, he has pretty much no power, really. He had seven home runs last year. I don't. You're not picking him up for power at all. Uh, you're likely picking him up in OBP leagues where he's sitting at 400 right now, uh, 15% walk rate. Uh, he's got three steals already, which is fantastic. He's the top of the order hitter. It's the Mariners. It, top of the order is less relevant for a team that doesn't drive in a lot of runs, but he is still hitting in front of the Kyles, Kyle Lewis and Kyle Seeger. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm interested for Seattle, this strategy seems like it'll be okay for people who own their guys in OBP leagues, but it has backfired horribly for guys like Dan Vogelbach and Evan White, who are just getting down in the count and then can't scrawl their way out of it and are striking out a crap load. So I don't know that it's the perfect strategy just from a baseball strategy perspective, but it seems to be working for Crawford. Uh, it seems to be working for Dylan Moore. Uh, it seems to be working for a few of the other guys in the team. And Crawford's a guy who is, is definitely falls into that post-hype sleeper category uh, and is somebody I would be considering in 12-teamers, uh, especially if you need speed and you can get your power somewhere else. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's, a, he's another dude where he's like a high-end middle infielder as well. If you have that MI slot and you need that kind of uh, like that, that, another dude with like high floor. Andy, yeah. I'm sensing a theme here. You love a high floor dude. Yeah, I'm not a huge risk taker, which as the dynasty manager, I think uh, sometimes you want somebody who's more risk, like willing to take risks, but I, I enjoy being able to maybe talk people off of taking insane risks on, on prospects and, and some of those guys. And Crawford and Turnbull are the kind of guys that um, I wasn't, I, I was down on and I'm happy to have been proven wrong because uh, they do seem to kind of settle into that high floor, maybe not going to be superstars, but guys that are going to help your team out kind of guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So, so I'm going to close out with my guy. Um, what do, what, what does uh, Donovan Solano, the White Sox winning the world series and fever pitch have in common? <laughs> Oh, man. I, I, I just saw the note right before you started saying it, and I was like, God, I hope he doesn't make me try to guess this because I have no idea. Um, All of them originated in 2005. Okay, that I was going to say something about that because that was yes. the only thing I could think of. <laughs> that, is the only, that is the only thing. So, so Fever Pitch premiered uh, for a movie, Jimmy Fallon's best film. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we could debate that for hours, but I, I, in my opinion, Fever Pitch is Jimmy Fallon's best film. The White Sox definitely won the 2005 World Series. I know people forget that, but it happened. It's a real thing that happened. And Donovan Solano uh, was, was a part of the MLB. He, he uh, showed up in 2005. So, so uh, Donovan Solano is just hitting the crap out of the ball right now. The dude is just raking. Um, and it is, a, uh, it is, it is not going to last. 
So I'm here to tell you guys I'm sorry. Uh, he's not going to continue to hit 349 or whatever he is hitting right now. Um, he is wildly aggressive on first pitches, um, more so than anybody else in the league. I think that they are going to adjust to that pretty fast, and they're going to start throwing him off-speed stuff. But typically what you're going to have is, is uh, pitcher's default is to throw a fastball on the first pitch, and I think he's jumping at that, and that's kind of helping him out a lot more um, than you would expect. Uh, he is a dude that I have been rostering in, in a lot of my leagues, just riding the heat wave, but I do not expect this to last much longer. That said, another dude that's going to get plate appearances. So if you just need volume and you're just looking for in, in this barren landscape of, of uh, COVID uh, and who's going to play what, as long as the Giants continue to play baseball, he will continue to accrue plate appearances because the Giants are bad, very bad. But – Hey, they beat the Dodgers tonight, so who knows? Well, I mean, the the Orioles are above 500. The Marlins are in first place. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But either way, uh, Donovan Solano, enjoy the ride. Just don't expect it to happen for much longer. Yeah, I uh, was shocked to find out that Donovan Solano hit 330 last year. Um, I think I remember writing him up once in one of my like deep sleeper articles. Um, but that was with a 409 BABIP this year. He's got a 523 BABIP, which is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Enjoy it. But that's uh, not going to last. 32-year-olds don't all of a sudden hit close to 400. It's, uh, it's not a thing that happens. So wait, you're telling me that a 500 BABIP is, is high or <laughs> it's high? It's a bit high. It's a, it's a bit, bit up. High. Okay. All right. Noted. So, so you uh, being the, the grand overseer, the grand poobah <laughs> of all dynasty content at pitcher list. Uh, tell us what is coming up this week. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened first because then you can go read that right now. Oh, um, we had a, a weekly stash articles about 10 hitters to stash, 10 pitchers to stash. Those come out every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we also had a going deep article on Cal rally that I wrote Mariners catcher that went out on Saturday as well. Um, Shelly Vergstrait is working on two articles this upcoming week. She is doing a, her MLB debuts piece, which comes out every Wednesday that covers every player in the major leagues who made their debut the previous week. So even if it's an obscure middle reliever or a high profile prospect like Spencer Turnbull, she'll give you a couple sentences on them every single time. Um, and she's also working on a, going deep article for on Jalen Beeks, uh, the Rays reliever. I'm imagining that she's probably writing that with some tears in her eyes as a Red Sox fan. I'm sure that that is difficult looking at their rotation, looking at Jalen Beeks and how he's pitching this year and knowing that he used to be in the fold for them. But uh, those are some stuff. There's going to be more too as well that always kind of crops up throughout the week, but I uh, keep checking back. We're going to keep, keep throwing out as much dynasty stuff as we can in a season that does not have the minor leagues. Shelly, if you're listening to this, I just want to point out the fact that I continued to bring up Jalen Beeks this offseason as a player that the Red Sox would sorely miss, and you kind of laughed it off. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> here we are. And you know what? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> Andy, thanks again. I appreciate your presence. You're bringing all of this knowledge because Lord knows if it was me, I would not be – be able to talk about half the things that you do. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back next week as long as there's baseball and a functioning society. Yes, let's hope for both those things to continue for another week. Thanks, Adam. All right, I'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye.
Life is good, who's asking? Wrote my number down on too many napkins Got tired of, we'll see what happens Lights, camera, she bout that action Which is good when I'm stagnant Stuck to the mattress, stuck like a magnet Life is good, but it's taxing Discourse, distractions Disco tech mathematics Gave for my number after dancing Life is good, who's asking? You are not entitled to my time or my passion Nights out ran me ragged Got tired of being nice out of habit You can ask, you can't have it Shorty back home, snap wrapped in a blanket Life is good, who's asking? Wrote my number down on too many napkins Got tired of, we'll see what happens Lights, camera, she bout that action Life is good, who's asking?